jinkies. Oh, what's that gross book made out of skin? It's not a book. It's a tome made out of skin. Ew. What's it say? Behold the collected apocrypha of Stacy Ponder, the writer for Final Girl. And Anthony Hudson, the programmer for Queer Horror. And together they are... Oh my god! Don't read it out loud! Don't read it out loud! Gay of Can I... Okay, so I went to... I was just going to tell you that I saw Us at the theater. And it's like, no fucking shit. It's the only place it's playing right now. But anyway. <laughs> that's that's Kinotech. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it just reiterated for me how torturous it is to see movies in the theater. Oh, let me tell you. I've had I just a story think about that. Too. My platform, my presidential platform is, and it's controversial, I know. Snacks outlawed in movie theaters. Okay, Stacey, we need to open with this. Oh, we're already go- we're oh, going. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know we were recording. <laughs> God damn it. Okay, I will stop micromanaging the thing I don't know how to micromanage <laughs> and let you continue. Yeah, I just, I, if people can't eat like normal people and eat quietly, then sorry, all of us have to suffer. No snacks, period. I don't That's need it. to hear, I don't need to hear your rappers a rustling. No. From every end of the experience, I feel like I'm trapped in William Castle's production of The Rapper. <laughs> it's like there was two people behind us. Uh, oh. And see what I did there? Oh. <laughs> I used the title of the movie. Yeah. Uh, and like during a quiet part, like the first part of the film that was actually like quiet and supposed to be tense they were unwrapping something and i'm like you hear that it's silent and we're supposed to be feeling some suspense right now and you fucking really have to get at your twizzlers or what the fuck ever like you can't wait 30 seconds to put a twizzler in your fucking face I really hope they're having this same internal monologue where they're like, oh, I can't do it now. Oh, I can't do it. Oh, I have to do it. I need the Twizzler. I gotta, oh, God, I need that Twizzler oh, so bad. <laughs> I'm so bad. Like they had been stuffing popcorn in and chewing loudly nonstop. And then it was Twizzler time. And just they wouldn't stop. And through the whole thing, they were just dum-dums. And the woman was like, I don't understand what's going on. Why did she get out of the car? I'm just so confused by everything. <laughs> oh my God. There was, yeah. uh, we had we had an older gentleman who sat just behind us. And I don't, I think maybe he was attempting to whisper, but he was speaking at a tone. And he just was like a, an older gentleman who had a grumbly voice to begin with. So his whisper was a constant it was like wolfman jack meets scatman brothers whispering in the back of the movie theater 
It was horrific. And I I kept leaning over to like, I I kept doing my passive aggressive lean and look forward. (laughs) (laughs) Which does nothing because I'm too nervous to shush someone. It feels so good. I told you that I did it that one time. That that woman. That old woman. Yeah. It feels good. It feels real good. I just I just feel like I guess people have no self awareness or they just literally don't care. Like if I'm no. in a public space, I try to take up as little room as possible. I try to be quiet. I try to be like a ninja. St- you know? Stacy, it's almost as if you're a queer person. It's well, that's true. Please don't murder me. <laughs> like you won't even know I'm here. Yeah, I have camouflaged <laughs> into the hedge. <laughs> yeah, and I stealthily yeah. shimmy across it, so I will not be murdered or exactly seen or asked questions. Yeah, I'm just a shim. I'm like the predator. I'm just a shimmer where the light <laughs> oh. kind of looks a little distorted. That's me. Yeah, that was you. I was wondering. That was me. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering what that glint of light shimmying past the curtain in the theater was. <laughs> it's just me. And it's always the worst at opening weekend for these movies. Like, the, and that's mm-hmm. the problem. Is like you have to see it opening weekend because one anticipation, two you you gotta be a dedicated horror fan and see it when it comes out. Three, uh, you know, you want to beat the spoilers. Right. Spoilers. If you at all want to join the conversation, like my whole, all of my social media feeds for the last like four days have been nothing but us. Oh yeah. Same. Going. So if you want to join in on that conversation, you got to go right away. But, but then you have to deal with <sighs> Rusty McRapper pants and the, the, the whisper orchestra, <laughs> which is my prog rock folk metal band. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. It's a polyphonic spree just... for the new generation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, for example, during the movie when I wanted to say, uh, why doesn't she just move the coffee table? I leaned over and whispered that to my friend. <laughs> right? Because can we talk about, well, I mean, we'll get there, but that coffee table. <laughs> I was like, You're, she's handcuffed to a coffee table. And you're building tension by, like, she can't reach this thing she's trying to reach because it's, like, an inch out of her hands. And I'm like, it's a fucking coffee table. Oh, I didn't think about that. She could have just moved the coffee. But she was trying to, like, use the force. Yeah. And then she, like, broke the coffee table to get herself free from it. And I'm like, it's a, do they bolt their furniture to the floor? It's a coffee table. Ikea suggests that you do. Otherwise, it could crush children and really funny uh, child crash test dummies. That's true. I did think, well, they are in California. Maybe it's earthquake proof and they were worried about their, you know, 14 inch high coffee table toppling over. I don't know. Yeah, it's a real threat. Yeah. But when I said that, I didn't say it in a speaking voice or a near yelling voice like I am now because my emotions are running high. I leaned over and whispered and no one heard except the intended. He didn't go, hey, why doesn't she use the coffee table? Also, do you have more Twizzlers? Also, why do I sound like this all of a sudden? Help me, I'm becoming <laughs> Yeah. So anyway. So about us. <laughs> us. <laughs> yeah. Now that, phew, I got my rant out of the way. Thank you, because it was a shared experience, and I was yeah. distraught. Just people are monsters, you know. What people I mean? are monsters. That's, I mean, 
to some extent the movie's sort of about that and i saw it uh be lived out in real life <laughs> as mm-hmm. i took in the film mm-hmm. it's like who's the monsters oh my god we are them and they are us George oh Romero was god. right. Oh George my god! Was right. Oh my god! <laughs> Quick, everyone, rustle your backpacks and drop all your bottles on the floor at the same time. <laughs> uh, so look, this is going to be full of spoilers for the movie Us. It's brand new. Uh, I suggest you leave and come back after you've seen it, unless we... you don't care, which is entirely up to you. If you don't care, you're a nihilist, and what are you doing on this earth? Because we need people who are ready to take action today, all right? <laughs> Whoa. That said, yes, absolutely. I know a lot of our listeners just will listen to the episode regardless of spoilers or whether or not they have seen the thing. Please stop this and watch the movie if you don't want your feelings hurt or you don't want the sp- the the twists revealed and the spoils spoiled or if there even is a twist if that's uh... also true <laughs> maybe there isn't maybe this isn't an m night Shyamalan film no i honestly i know i wrote it down that he Shyamalan himself <laughs> That's how I felt and until I thought about it. I have a lot to Same. say. Same. Same. I will say, when I got out of the theater, I thought to myself, uh, I give it a 7.5 to a 7.75. Without the twist, I would give it an 8.25. Now I say to myself, I'd give it an 8.5 even with the twist. Oh, wow. I like that. See, I'm at a... When it... I, I went in... Um, our, our head programmer at the theater and our executive director got to see a test screening, or not a test screening, but like a, a well, like the junket screenings or, yeah, the advanced thing where they take in all the, the trade screening. And he pulled me aside after and he's like, oh, Anthony, I don't know what happened with that movie, but it's, it's just not good. And I was like, what? And I was kind of bummed. And I heard that like a couple weeks ago. So I was, I was still trying to keep my joy up and my hope for us. Um, and then... I saw the movie. His main thing was he said it was really slow and boring, which I personally don't agree with. Um, no, I don't agree with that at all. But like the opening scene is really kind of long and deliberate or felt long and deliberate. I also had been awake for at least 38 hours at that point when I saw it. Um, oh. It was a long day. And so I was like ready for it to be a really long, slow paced movie. And I was like, okay, let's get this started. Okay, let's get this started. Okay, let's get this started. And then... And then all of that washed away quickly into the movie. Um, and I, w- I was having a blast until I thought, until that twist came along or what I thought was a twist. And then I was definitely like, oh, this is just a twist for twist's sake. And I was upset and I talked about it in the theater and then I thought about it. And then I was like, you know, I think this might be a, a 9.5 and I might be one of the people that's like, this is a new horror. Great. I really, really like this movie a lot. <laughs> I think still I'm of two minds about it, that it feels to me a little bit like it's made to be dissected and talked about. Yeah. And so on that side of it, I feel like it's definitely a 9.5. As a horror movie, it's kind of the same way I felt about Get Out in that I think it's like he's afraid to go too dark. I 100% agree. 
he's afraid to go too dark with things and so it ends up not dark enough and it's almost like it's like it's a pg-13 movie or he's neutered himself because there for me there's just too much horror i get it horror can be a i mean uh humor there's too much humor yeah um the humor can be a great sort of like pressure release in a horror film a well-timed joke but every instance of tension practically there was a joke and it felt like some of the characters weren't taking things seriously and therefore i didn't take things seriously Mm. and i just thought that uh you know he kind of sacrificed tension and suspense for comedy's sake i would absolutely agree it wasn't that suspenseful for me um it wasn't uh that uh a, a lot of the audience would, and I mean, the audience seemed to have a completely different experience I mean, as they were grumbling and, and rustling and rapping. But it was, I heard lots of gasps and lots of jumps and lots of screams from the audience. And it was really, it was really great to watch that with that audience. But I didn't, I I wasn't like gripped really at many points. I think maybe towards the end and like, like maybe from the halfway point on, there's also a really, a, I'm interested to see how you feel about the midpoint section that I thought was maybe my favorite part of the movie. Um, <laughs> but also I feel like we're probably going to disagree about my favorite part of the movie. Um, but uh, yeah, I wasn't really gripped. And I and I felt like one thing that we constantly, that we were actually saying on the way out is some of my friends were like, so is this PG-13? Yeah. Because it, it there are lots of cutaways and like I, I found myself again in that place where I'm like, I'm not a gore hound, but I keep asking for more gore in movies. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it, it, it feels, was, it feels like poltergeist. It feels like a poltergeist level horror film where it's, like, yeah, it works, but there's something about it that's family friendly and not like all like yeah. in the meta and in the film itself is family I'm, friendly. I'm curious if there's any studio interaction in terms of like, because this Jordan Peele is sort of the last and only prestige horror filmmaker out there right now. Um, Because like he sort of brought back prestige horror in a way. Uh, I wonder if, if there's some sort of interference in terms of like how much, how far he can go or if there's like heavy suggestions. I feel like he would just be given free reign to do whatever he wants though after get out. Yeah, maybe he's just not interested in making that kind of film. Yeah. Yeah. And I I do see as a comedian, because, I mean, he is a brilliant comedian. And I I do understand um, the comedian's drive is like, you know, you have to temper suspense and fear and and pain with comedy to make it, like, digestible. And I can see him doing that with this also, like he did with Get Out. But, uh... Yeah, I felt like he could have gone a little bit farther. Yeah, well, it's like, I think it happens too much, that tempering, and I think it happens too often in the moment. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And so that undercuts the whole more horror aspects of it and the any tension that he's established. And for me, it just pulls me out. But it's just, I think that's partially just the kind of horror that I react to and the kind of horror that I'm looking for, mm-hmm. I guess. It's just, I thought this was going to be more straight up horror. There was way more comedy than I anticipated, I guess. I will say, yeah, the, the, especially after Get Out, it seemed like this was going to be more 
horror for sure in terms of how yeah. it was marketed and and that i think as an addition to the horror genre really appreciate appreciate it um and i i i had a lot of fun watching it like it oh that yeah part's undeniable um yeah i do i really want to see it again yeah like oh, partially partially knowing what i know in terms of like looking for clues and blah, 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 but also just like knowing what I know. And sometimes your expectations kind of play with your reaction to something. And so now that I know how it's going to be, it'll just be a good thing to see it again. I yeah. think. I think I'm honestly, I think I'm falling in love with it. And I think, <laughs> I think when I see it the second time, that's when I'm just going to be 100% on the ride. Uh, yeah. and just and just live in my truth with my Twizzlers. Yeah. <laughs> just open them before it starts. That's all I ask. Oh, trust me, Stacy. I bring my charcuterie plate to the theater and I open everything <laughs> as the audience sits down and I set them all out one by one with the matching spoons and little forks. <laughs> and people say, what are you doing? And I say, get out of my face. Nice. Yeah, yeah. That's the way to do it. I do yeah. think oh, there were... Th- pacing issues with oh, it like I think so the too. rhythm the rhythm felt off at times and a lot of sequences that should have had more of a punch just kind of didn't and mm-hmm. it's never really i mean i think hereditary had the same problem which wasn't such a problem for me that i was put off but it is a thing is the the exposition dump at the end it's like you've created this convoluted plot and you didn't want to give anything away while things were unfolding. And so now someone has to explain everything so the audience knows what's going on. Oh, the killer monologue? <clears throat> the killer monologue. Which is know. always my favorite part of any movie is the killer monologue. I'm looking at you, Rebecca Gayhart. Yeah. <laughs> You're always looking at Rebecca Gayhart. Yeah, I am interested in that exposition dump because it's crucial to the read of this movie, I feel, but at the same time, I don't know how you could convey that. I, I want, yeah, maybe that's just it's another pass of the screenplay is how do you convey all that information without having someone literally tell you it all. Right. Yeah. I think like one of my big problems the first time, and it's the, the twist and all of that is settling in with me more like as I, as my feelings about this film kind of only are on the rise. Yeah. Um, I wanted the twist to be revealed in a different way earlier, maybe during that exposition dump. I think think it would have had more of an impact because they both knew it. Right. And it, it, um, that, that twist at the, the, the place, maybe I think the placement of the twist was more my issue because it was like the movie's over and now here's your standard horror movie last frame twist. Right. Yes. I, as I think about it more, I become more appreciative of it. Uh, but in that moment in the theater, a couple beers in, I was like, hold on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> it felt, it felt a little, like I said, he Shyamalan himself, yeah. that it was a twist for the sake of a twist. Like, I think, the, again, it's that having two feelings about it. I think as far as the metaphor and what the movie's about and blah, blah, blah. The twist is fucking perfect. Yeah. But as far as the structure of the film, I think it was poorly placed. I will say it's a little, it feels, um, so I went to art school 
And in art school, <laughs> who didn't exactly in art school, you know, there's a there's critique and there's the constant like, well, this piece is about this, and that's why I use these colors. And then everyone goes, oh, and there right. was there was a little bit of an art school vibe to the how I read the symbolism of this film, but I actually think it's really important and I love it. So I, I'm also kind of wrestling with that. But I, I once again think that once I see it a second time, I'm just going to be like, the pants are going to come off and I'm just going to be in for the ride, you know? So, yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. It's it, That's the thing is I feel like, I think, and maybe because it comes off as feeling PG-13 to me sometimes, his films, that it almost seems like he's one of the people who starts with the message he wants to impart and he builds a film from there. Yes. Whereas most other filmmakers, you have like Bergman, you know, you, you pick apart a movie like Persona and you have no idea what's going on. And it's like, well, what does this mean? What does that shot mean? What is this all about? And then you listen to Bergman and, you know, Liv Ullman and everybody was involved and they're like, we don't fucking know. Oh yeah. Like, <laughs> like, Liv Ullman's like, I had no idea what I was doing in that movie. I just kind of did it, you know? Yeah. And I think that's how most filmmakers are. And it's like, yeah, a message will appear. And like, obviously something like the Babadook has something to say, but she didn't maybe set out with like, I'm going to make a movie about depression and grief. Yeah. I think, yeah. A, I think a lot of artists honestly don't, no, and I, I, this is from my own experience too, is like a lot of artists don't know what their work is about until it's received by an audience and you have those conversations after. Right. Yeah. And, and it's it, just with Jordan Peele, it feels the opposite. It feels like he's deliberately making a movie about this topic. Yeah. Sort of. And the film itself is almost incident. Like he just writes backwards or something. I don't know his process, but that's just what it ends up feeling like. I to could me. I could totally see that. I do think um it's really important though at the same time. Uh oh yeah. And I think I think I think he he comes out with a message in this movie <clears throat> that I don't think any other film has said. And I think he's one of the first people in this in today's era, in our political era, to come out with this story or this message about what's going on. Oh yeah, I'm and not really saying like that, that his message I'm not it's not saying like he's doing this and it's not working. Oh, absolutely. I think his message is good. I'm just saying like then that to me is what is neutering the film as a just straight horror film. Yes. Sometimes you know what I mean? Like there's the film and what it means and et cetera, et cetera. And there's also like just the surface read. And I feel his surface read sometimes isn't as potent as it could be. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. That's all. Yeah, I think I think and I wonder if part of that is the pigeonholing him as a horror filmmaker. Because Well, yeah, he's being hailed as like the new genius of horror and Yeah. And and he I, I do like that he comes out and says, No, this is a horror movie. Um, whenever people try to make like say, like, no, he makes social commentary pieces or he makes comedy thrillers or and I, I do like that he stands up and says, No, this is horror. Um but I, I think he's a lot more than that. And I think especially with his comedy background, it really uh, lends itself to that and to how multifaceted he is. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't I don't know where I'm going with that, but I, I appreciate him. I think should we jump into like what the, I mean, we're half an hour in, but should we say what the movie's about? <laughs> <laughs> the movie is about Lupita Nyong'o. 
who I can't remember any character Period. names for the life of me. Uh, she was Adelaide, and Red was the tethered version. Oh, right, right, right. Her husband was Gabe, and the kid was Jason and Pluto, and the daughter was Zora, and I don't remember her tethered name. You know all the names. I know, literally, I remember Pluto. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, I mean, uh, all I know is it's about Lupita Nyong'o, and there are two of her, and she gives two incredible performances oh. that i do i do think will be recognized like give her the oscar now as far oh, as i'm concerned this i realize it's really early in oscar season like the oscars just happened but i do feel like she will be recognized and she should be it's two characters two incredible performances as far as i'm concerned two lupitas are not enough no, I need I need it to be like the beginning of Resident Evil Four, where there's like a hundred Mila Jovoviches <laughs> all blowing yeah, up that I, facility. <laughs> I think every film needs at least twenty to thirty Lupita Nyong'o's. I one hundred percent agree. And fucking thank you for giving her a lead, like two lead roles, basically. Finally, like Fuck she's an yes, she's an incredible actor. <laughs> who deserves to be front and center and an absolute leading lady. And if she's listening to this right now, I can be reached at gaylords at gaylordsofdarkness.com. <laughs> and also please rate and review us on iTunes. <laughs> please, Lupita. Can you imagine <laughs> on our iTunes page it says review by Lupita Nyong'o? <laughs> because I will rate and review her very highly. So. <laughs> On Yelp. Okay. On her on Yelp. Yelp. <laughs> <Ms>. Yelp. <laughs> and her Ashley, what was that? Oh, no. Ashley Madison. No. Ashley <laughs> Madison. <laughs> Thank you for that deep cut. <laughs> Thank you for remembering the full name. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm skilled at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there you go. That's yeah. what it's about. That's it's, all you need to know. It's about two fucking Lupitas, just like the painting, the, uh, the two Fridas, but it's two Lupitas. Yes. <laughs> and it's like that painting of the one woman tweaking the other one's nipple. Yeah. And you know, I, have, know I have the same feelings watching two Lupitas on screen. Yeah. I, let me say, the second that she, I mean, the whole performance, both of them, the whole performances, but... That goddamn laugh when she's like, oh, no, no, no. I've been trying to do it <laughs> ever yeah. since. Like, I'll just look at Jason and go like, oh, no, 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 no. I can't do it. But I, <laughs> I love it so much. It's my new, um, it's my new. <laughs> I'm just here for it. Yeah, I thought she and I thought the daughter was fantastic also. Oh, her face. So goddamn yeah. expressive. Um, yeah. Who, uh, what was her husband's name again? Gabe. Gabe. Gabe was uh, Gabe rhymes with babe, and <laughs> I loved him very much. And I loved, I loved, I loved watching these actors because you can tell um, that Jordan Peele is a brilliant direct, like an actor's director, uh, right. and he's so good at directing his actors. Like everyone in this movie, I thought was stellar, and uh, just. Uh, I just want to also thank Jordan Peele for that shot where Gabe gets into the bed and it's just like a mountain of thighs right in your face. <laughs> <laughs> and he does his like sexy hey and the uh, the whole audience was laughing. But like at the same time, we have Lupita like about to have a nervous breakdown or having a nervous breakdown as we get treated to like Mount Sexy happening. 
Yeah, I thought the husband was a bit of a ding dong. I loved him. He was a, he was a ding dong, but that's why I liked him. And I could I could really like I could see Jordan Peele in that role. Like I could see him acting that like as he's directing the actor too. Mm. I just I really mm. like Jordan. I love Kean Peele. So any anytime well, I get right. to see him there, I I love him. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, that nervous breakdown scene was it had some real Lake Mungo vibes for me. Oh my god. Like thematically because at the time like I didn't I mean I'll admit it. I in movies I go along I try like sometimes you can't help but be like, "Ooh, this means this" or you notice something or whatever. But on my first viewing, I try to just go along for the ride. So unless it's super obvious, a twist will pass me right by. You know, when yeah. I think I'm on the journey that I think I'm on. So I was not one of those people who was like, I figured it out in the first, like, five minutes. No, you're not okay. Jason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not like that. And I'm glad I'm not because I'd rather be surprised. Yeah, there's same. there's going to be a surprise. Yeah. But that speech, I was like, oh, this is feeling very like Mungo, where she's, like, feeling haunted by yourself and, like, the other yourself kind of relentlessly pursuing you is such a great idea well so chill. oh and i love i love the myth of like the doppelganger and of changelings um mm-hmm. i i just love that trope and that myth so much and you know so much of it is about that weird fear of the self of like this in this sort of disassociated dark side self uh shadow self sort of thing that's which mm-hmm. it actually literally is a shadow um and they they just captured that essence and she her performance captured that 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 trauma and that mm-hmm. that 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 sort of preemptive trauma fear so well yes yeah i loved that and it's like yeah it made me think the whole thing made me think of uh invasion of the body snatchers mm-hmm. and i'm like this is oh yeah that took place on coastal like both of those took place on coastal california and i'm like this is another great coastal california horror movie the birds the fog halloween three invasion of the body snatchers lost boys which also took place in santa Cruz. that's what i was gonna ask i was like lost boys with santa cruz right yeah which which is really and that opening in 1986 is really integral to my read of this movie um yeah so i'll make note of that for later yeah (laughs) yeah yeah coastal horror Coastal California horror. I like it. And like sunny, sunny horror is a very different thing from most horror. Yes. It's hard to do and it's fun when it works. And in this, they did a really great job making that sunny day beach um, work versus like the fog. You know, it's like a, what? It's like New England kind of. Right. Yeah. Everything. There's fog. It's cold. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like, I think when horror can, a horror movie can tap into that, it's extra effective because daytime is supposed to be shelter from horror. Yeah. Horror in the daylight. Yeah. Because the the things go bump in the night, not in the sunny beach in California where (laughs) Lana Del Rey is getting high at the pier. You know? (laughs) Things things go bump at noon. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) but it's kind of like uh like a juan which also took the sort of like there are supposed to be rules and uh, to horror that are established you know what i mean and i like it when movies upend those rules daytime 
Uh, like the ring with like, you know, putting the bones to rest, that'll solve it and the ghost will be happy. Or Juan, where it's like, when I hide under my blanket, I'm mm-hmm. good to go. And Juan's like, fuck you, the ghost could go under the blanket too. Like, it's just a blanket. <laughs> it's just a blanket, you know, but when See, you just feel, it just feels like reflux. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> She did. She was just looking for some Nexium. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Come on. <laughs> no, I just feel like when 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 there's no safety at all. Do you know what I mean? Like where where is safety? Yeah. A daytime horror really just makes you feel like there isn't any. And it. I mean, and also like in terms of that story of this story, like. Uh, and that's what's really nice about going from sexy mountain thigh scene to nervous breakdown <laughs> to like immediately after that they show up and like the sort of home invasion um for lack of a better word se- sequence begins um yes and it was really nice that she she isn't gaslit he says he believes her even if he kind of is having a hard time working through it um, right. he's willing to listen to her and then they show up. We don't have to spend so much of the movie of her like trying to convince people um, yes. of a woman be- not being listened to, which is so yes. nice. But also that sunny, that sunny beach thing really works to like, well, why don't, like we're not going to the creepy ass New England coast where Adrian Barbeau is in a lighthouse. Like, we're, why don't you want to go to the beautiful sunny beach in California where the water is warm, you know, and there's, there's hotties aplenty. Like, right. Yeah. What is it, there to fear? Yeah. It makes know? sense that they're like, no, we're going. Why, why don't you, there's no, there's no problem with this place. Right. But there is, there is, there is a hall of mirrors that connects to a tunnel, that connects to a subway, that connects to a bunker. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, can we talk about who things. built that house hall of mirrors? Like, they've got some... They need to explain a few things. They need to explain some, a few things, but I loved, I loved the, like, sort of woke update of the hall of mirrors. Like, yes, 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 yes. In 1986, when she's wearing the Thriller t-shirt, it is... It is the shaman's, what was it? The shaman's mystery. It was like a vision. It was a vision quest. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And you go through, there's the owl and blah, blah, blah. And then when she goes back towards the end of the movie, it's the exact same thing. It still has the owl pop out, which she comically destroys first thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But suddenly instead of the shaman's, whatever, it's now Merlin's. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, what's, what's magical and mystical and connected to nature like Native Americans, but is uh, not appropriative. Oh, Merlin. Right. Yes. And what would have been fine in 1986. Yeah. I loved that. And I feel like that's a little tiny detail that would just go over so many people's heads, but I was so into that. It cracked me up. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as I saw the, you know, shaman's vision quest, I was like, if Anthony was here right now, I'd be given a little elbow. <laughs> I was elbowing Jason yeah. <laughs> and then pointing at me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was really excited. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely like my immediate reactions to this weren't super great, but it's growing on me and I think it's just going to keep growing. So, so we get the we get the we get sexy thigh mountain. We get shaman's mystery. We get 1986. We get the beach. We get the home invasion. The sh- the the tethered show up. 
Um, and then the family escapes and we go to a detour to somebody else's house. And I love those teenage twin girls. I loved oh, them. So let me much. tell you. <laughs> I loved them. I love teen twins. Yes. A, a twin. <laughs> they were so great. Specifically like two twin like twin girls who are like kind of evil and say and talk in unison and dress the same. It's like my favorite trope. <laughs> yeah. They were uh, amazing. We just watched, um, we rewatched The World's End last night to see if it works uh, upon rewatch. It doesn't. And the one <laughs> thing I really did respond to is there's another set of evil twins in that movie that are just fantastic. <laughs> and it just made me think about how much I need to see these twins again because they're perfection. Yeah. There was a nice little <laughs> shining Easter egg when they were both dead. Oh, well, what? Their, their bodies looked kind of like the it looked like the Grady girls in the oh. like the flash of the Grady girls all hacked up and oh yeah oh yeah. I didn't even th- yeah that's totally intentional yeah so how did you that was and I'm experiencing some weird things where I'm like this amazing movie full of uh, incredible black actors like I my favorite part of the movie was the white family mainly. <laughs> <laughs> but but I think there is something to be said about that because the the black family like survives and endures throughout this film, and there's almost like right. not really too many stakes with them, right? Yeah. Um, because they're just on top of it. Versus the white family dies instantly, right? Well, I think that all says something about not only you know a racial thing, but just like the power of a family unit. They're like the white people, the white family, they all fucking hated each other. Yeah, he's twins, down on his the chair. The twins liked each other. Yeah, but the husband and wife clearly hated each other. Yeah, the uh, twins the twins were on each other's team, but Yeah, but <laughs> but it was par- parents against children, you know, parent against parent for sure. You know, whereas the other family like they all loved each other and yeah they gave each other shit sometimes but they were a family unit they were a unit versus like yeah elizabeth moss is like kind of clearly drunk and imagining her next procedure the husband just wants to sit in his chair the twins are just there for each other and they're gonna beat up anybody that gets in their way yeah i need a spinoff about the twins (laughs) (laughs) yeah i know can they come back please i loved them so much (laughs) yeah but it's like you contrast it with something like hereditary which this is like, you know, the family loves each other and they stick together and they're going to pull through it. And you have hereditary where it's like families are broken and maybe somebody will get through this unscathed, but probably not. Yeah, but they're going to probably be half marionette at that point. Yeah. And like for me, like personally, I tend to to respond more to the darker sides just because of like growing up in essentially a dysfunctional household and just like where people just yell at each other all the time yep. and you know like what the fuck it, like my family was not we didn't like take family vacations and do all these like loving family like we did some family things but like for the most part i was left to my own devices and yep. you know like i didn't have to like feed myself or whatever but i definitely like took the initiative with myself a lot and I was an only child and so I don't know why I'm telling everybody all this but like I just you know it was it wasn't like I have a friend whose family is very quote-unquote family every holiday you spend together you celebrate Mother's Day and Father's Day and all of this and everybody's happy all the time and it's a family 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 
And I couldn't really, I enjoyed that because they treated me like a daughter, but Mm. then I would go home and be like, that's not my family. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I definitely relate more to something like Hereditary than to this, (laughs) where it's like, but the family loves each other so much. If we just stick together and band together, there's nothing we can't overcome. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's my family. My uh, uh, growing up in the Mike Fa- Flanagan universe where families are screaming and mirrors are killing them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the universal like, queer experience, Stacey. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's super true. Like, it, it's a it's a nice critique of the difference in these family units um, and, right. and how that relates to American society and, and, and cultural difference. Um, right. The excellent use of good vibrations i love the beach boys it's been a rough journey for me in my life because i hated them so for so long and then i just gave in at one point and was like no i think i love the beach boys but only a certain era wow yeah i know um just i just like the era where they were all on drugs hanging out with the manson family and competing with the beatles who were also on drugs um so good vibrations because if if i hear the word kokomo come out of your mouth oh is over trust me i would cancel in the middle of this episode i will leave the only that word that is ever okay is the muppet (laughs) the the muppet version (laughs) and only because i grew up with it um i i I, know that era of beach boys is terrible but like when they were all on when brian wilson was like hey man the universe is talking to me through my pills like good vibrations is a great song Oh, Brian Wilson is legit a genius. Oh, he's you know? incredible. Um, yeah. Also, the video of him drunk on SNL trying to sing, amazing. So, <laughs> excellent use of good vibrations. That scene, that's just the the tethered coming in and just stabbing them all in the neck with scissors. Ugh, I was, I thought that was the most effective use of horror in the movie. Um, but it, but then I see where you're going. It was also really funny at the same time, and. Right. Uh, I will say though, tethered Elizabeth Moss and tethered him Tim Heidecker were <laughs> were maybe my MVPs of this film after Lupita, of course. <laughs> when tethered Elizabeth Moss has her I Tanya moment, like her sad clown moment in the mirror, <laughs> yeah. and she's putting on her lip gloss, I was like, I have finally seen my gender depicted on film. I didn't know what I was, and now I finally <laughs> understand who I am. Yeah, and her silent scream into a silent laugh. Yes! Oh, through the window as she watches yeah. her husband. Oh my god, it was so good. Yeah, um, that was great. And Tim Heidecker, I am a big, I have been a huge fan of his for a long time, and I... I don't know how to vocalize this. I love him in this movie and I love his absolutely bananas weirdo, like almost Helena Marcos tethered. (laughs) (laughs) Just like falling over, flapping around, laughing and making those weird squeals as he's chasing after Gabe. I, I was so here for both of them as a couple. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's too bad we kind of didn't get more of them. I honestly like I think that's why I just think of that sequence so much is because I just I love that sequence. I love those two scenes with them. Yeah. They were so good. And Yeah. And that how did did you did the comedy like in those performances and in that sequence kind of off put you or did you like that? 
No, I loved all the shit in the neighbor's house. I feel like, because, okay, because I was really worried. I thought we would disagree about, like, with the comedy aspect, I thought we would disagree about, particularly about Tim Heidegger when he's just like, ah! <laughs> doing his whole thing. <laughs> no, I think it worked in that sequence. And I just would, I think for me it was the hus. it was Gabe. Because hmm. he just constantly, like, even at the moments of highest tension, he would have something funny to say. He's comic relief, yeah. He was comic relief, and I just feel like we didn't need that much. Like, I just wish that the moments of tension and horror were allowed to settle more. Yeah. That's all. Yeah, and kind of Lupita was the only one that got to experience that. Yeah. And Elizabeth Moss, actually. Yeah. Um. God, Lupita is so fine. Lupita is fucking beautiful. I mean, here's the thing. I love that she's in the Star Wars movies, but what a goddamn shame that they make her be a cartoon in that. Like, I know. She's like a fucking raisin with goggles on. She hit, yeah. You right. have this, <laughs> like you have this perfect <laughs> goddess on earth and then you turn her into a fucking California raisin and put goggles on her? Like, what are you thinking? I know, and I love her character, but like literally you took the most beautiful woman on the planet. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> turned her into a cartoon racer. <laughs> Here comes Lupita. <laughs> That's my new hit summer jam. <laughs> Gonna play it at all the clubs in Ibiza. Ah, boy. Yeah. Boy, oh boy. So. So then uh, we have the hilarious, hilarious, wonderful mid-film sequence at the at the, the Heidecker estate. Also, I am still working through my feelings about Elizabeth Moss. I fucking love her as an actor. Why does she have to be a Scientologist? And thank you. And what I keep telling myself is, okay, girl, at least she was born into it. So like, she's, I mean, it's like, maybe it's, it, I, at this point, I'm trying to think of it about how I think about Gal Gadot uh being like in the israeli military and i don't know like i'm just like okay right you're yeah. kind of conditioned into shit yeah. and i want to i want to just accept because she is a brilliant fucking actor and she really is yeah. she is so from the set from like the first time i saw her in like girl interrupted as polly with the burns on her face like to to this she is just always so fucking killer mm-hmm. and and i love it her character too is really fascinating because she's glamorous, but she's not. Um, She, she captures a really legit kind of, in a sort of a mirror way to Lupita, she captures a really interesting sort of sadness, but also a vapidness and balances that and doesn't turn her character into a cartoon. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Um, She feels very realistic. Yeah. And I just, I just, I just, I'm, so that, those are my other thoughts is like, I'm really grappling with my Elizabeth Moss issues and like, yeah, I, just I want feel to differently her. about her than I do about like Laura Prepon as far as the Scientology goes. Yeah. And, or like, you know, like, like, like Tom Cruise, like, you know, I mean, at least Elizabeth Moss didn't join Scientology to not be gay. Like, right. <laughs> and John Travolta, like, you know, she was born into it, whatever. I, yeah. I'm just like, girl, you are so, you are so smart and so talented and clearly so capable of, of feeling an emotion or at least pretending that you can. So Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple that hurt like her and Juliette Lewis hurt. 
you know. Juliette Lewis is a Scientologist? No. <laughs> yes, she is. The last I knew, unless she's gotten out. Yeah. no i have to go tethered me is knocking at my mirror (laughs) (laughs) i'm just gonna i'm gonna let him snip snip just Just put me on my misery yeah just get it over elizabeth moss and juliette lewis yeah so that's how that's how i feel about that Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. Because I'm every single time I'm like, "Ooh, Elizabeth Moth, yay!" Oh, uh, uh, yeah. but then yeah, oh, uh. yeah. I fight like up to the movie. I fight it, fight it, fight. I'm Jerry Blank. Fight it, fight it, fight it. And then, <laughs> and then during the movie, I'm just enthralled and in love with her. Or during Top of the Lake or anything I see, I'm just in love with her. And then the second it's over, I'm like, "God, she was good." Oh fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you see Queen of Earth? No, I haven't. Oh, you gotta see Queen of Earth. Oh. Yeah, you check gotta it see out. That one. You check gotta it see out. that one. Check it out. Check it out, man. Check it out. <laughs> so, so post the house, then we get this final sort of uh, the act three where um, what's even happening? They, it's daytime again. The 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 all of the tethered have murdered everyone in Santa Cruz, and now hands across America. Yeah. everyone in their red jumpsuits literally forming a wall across the country as far as we know yeah. uh and lupita goes down into the bunker into the subway whatever where she fights what we think is the tethered version of her the shadow version of her and then we get that exposition dump yes about what the tethered are and what what's happened to them and why they're doing what they're doing and it's a lot and now okay i i think at this point i was a little tipsy uh (laughs) can you explain to me so they said something about they they did it to control us or to control the others what was that yeah i think i think it's one of those movies that collapses a bit under the weight of its own premise of its metaphor, you mean? Of its, you know, of its, yeah, of its metaphor. Like when, like it sacrifices logic, I think, a yeah. bit for, uh, but yeah, it's like, she just said they, but I think it's insinuated that it's the government. Yeah, it tried seems like to, that. Tried to create cloned versions of people, but they couldn't control them because they had no souls. Yes. And so they just abandoned the project and left all of these basically these husks to their own devices where they existed underground and survived by eating raw rabbit by eating rabbits at christmas and putting on ballet pageants yes (laughs) because this is a movie that we have to watch so there has to be dance intrigue (laughs) there has to be some dance in it (laughs) yeah which I was like, thank you, Jordan Peele, for recognizing that Stacy and I will be watching this movie. <laughs> yeah. And that we cannot relate to a movie without dance anymore. <laughs> yeah. But that's the, I mean, that's, you know, afterwards you realize that's one of the reasons why Red could become sort of the leader of this revolution is because she could speak and because she could dance. She could control her own movements. Which is why the twist in the end sort of worked for me. Right. Uh, because there, it wouldn't make sense otherwise. Right. No, I think the twist worked for me. I just didn't 
agree with the placement of it. I didn't think it had as much impact as it could have as far as the sort of surface horror film that was at work. It feels like there's two films working in tandem. And I think on just the basic horror film level, I just thought it was in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I'd be I'd be interested to see how I feel after the second watch. But right now I agree for sure. Yeah. But I mean, the twist is the whole point, really. Yeah. Once you know what's up. So Lupita, back when she was a little girl in her thriller shirt in 1986 in the shaman's mysteries or whatever she actually was replaced she's a changeling and she was switched her tethered switched with her knocked her out dragged her down into the subway made her hang out with the rabbit people and then shadow lupita goes back up relearn learns actually like this is interesting that the tethered are capable of speech and capable of expression um learns literally through art therapy how to become a human being right and then has a family and all of that still is inflicted upon uh above ground lupita who is now trapped in the subway with the tethered and who essentially has become tethered and is she speaking like that because her voice box was injured when she choked her out yeah i think it's partially that her voice box was injured and partially no one else underground could speak oh she didn't know how she didn't have a use for it she didn't have a use for it, and so she just, it, you know, disuse, I think it just kind of atrophied. Interesting, yeah. Basically, yeah. But the whole thing, like, the twist makes that speech, that Lake Mungo-esque speech that I was talking about, it makes it interesting in a completely different way. Of, like, she knows what she did, and she's just waiting for the other shoe to drop. She's guilty, and yeah, she knows that there's payback coming. Yeah. Which is really scary it's scary <laughs> it is scary because yeah and and it's it's interesting because it it's sort of the twist it it feels cheap kind of calling a twist but i mean i think it's just because like you said how it's placed yeah um because ultimately like she's still the same mom like when the, her right. son is looking at her all mysteriously and like kind of uh not judgingly but um he's looking at he's her and he's knowing distru- he's a little distrustful a little distrusting that's exactly it when he's as he's looking at her like there's sort there's sort of this implication of like oh she's not your mom she's the but it's like no she's the she is your mom she's the same mom you've had she's the same she's been living on above ground since 1986 for for 33 years now right but he's also seen what she's capable of yeah he's watched her firsthand murder herself yeah, he's watched her do that, and also in those sequences, she kind of reverted a little bit and yes. was making the noises of the tethered. And so I think maybe he's like, "Oh, is she a time bomb?" Yeah. Oh, she was making those noises. Yeah, yeah. Jason was talking about that too. I forgot about that. Yeah, and I don't know if it was the son or the daughter. One of them also saw her do that in the house when she went out when she like beat the shit out of the twin. Mm-hmm. She did. The, she did the same thing. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like. Is she going to snap and kill us? Like, I, I get it that he's, you know, wary at this point. Hmm. So how did you read the metaphor for the film? I'm interested in this. I have my red um, string everywhere. I, I am... Yeah, red string everywhere for sure. Uh, uh, immediately, it's ve- it feels very nature versus nurture and seems to be about class disparity economic disparity and like 
opportunities and advantages and privileges that come at the expense of another. Yep. And what do you do about that? It reminded me, part of it, like, after the twist, it reminded me of, I think it was the Suspiria, the second Suspiria episode, where we were, where you said, like, you know, there are children in cages, and here we are talking about Suspiria. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, like, a parallel to that on a small level of, like, Adelaide knew. Like, she got out, and she was willing to protect her comfort and her status at the expense of all the people she left behind. She could have helped all of those people. Because mm. she knew what was going on down there. And she just put it behind her because she climbed farther up the ladder. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's that whole, we know what kind of problems, like, as a people, as Americans, like they said they were. We're Americans. We're Americans. Best like, line in the movie. Yeah, like, we know what problems we have. We know there are people who don't have health insurance. We know there are people who don't have homes. We know there are children in cages. There are people going hungry. And it's, well, let's see what, let's watch the Big Bang Theory. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, we all know these things are happening, right, uh, you know, under our feet. <laughs> and we don't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. That was the big takeaway for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I. I read all of that into it. And then I think for me, I get even a little bit, and then maybe this is just my, uh, my radicalism coming out like uh, unchecked, <laughs> but like, I, I totally see that. And then in addition to that, I see like the second the movie ended, I just looked at my friends and I was like, that's all, this is all about Trump. Right. And they right. stared, they yeah. stared at me like I was a crazy person. Um, <laughs> but I'm like, for me, this, this, what happens in this film, like the sort of the 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 um, the sort of apocalypse that happens in this film, was, it's a revolution. It's she a revolution. A revo- she leads a revolution. It's absolutely a revolution. But I saw it as the 2016 election, um, and how how we have all. I think I think it's especially with the internet. I think we all sort of have these two personas. We have in person our in-person self and then we have how we relate to everybody online. Mm. Um, and I, I think we've, we've, we've sort of fractured in a way. Um, and I think we are a lot less, I think since the election, we have become a lot less, a lot more capable of monstrousness and a lot less uh, civil and how we talk to each other. And it's sort of that, that idea of like the divide, whatever. Um, and I, I just see it so much as like, like, he's almost sort of saying like this election has brought on our shadow selves and they're completely unchecked at this point. Um, I, I see the, the hands across America thing, like that final image of them literally like they were a border wall and they're, they're in red jumpsuits and the red jumpsuits for me are so evocative of like the MAGA hats. And I, I think there's an additional, I think the class issue and the, the revolution and the class disparity thing that you're bringing up is, is absolutely in there. And I think there's also this element of like, this is who we are now and we need to figure out how we're going to get past this. Um, and the, there, there's an interesting thing. I mean, even the title us U S um, and we're Americans and, and there's this interesting thing of uh, magic that shows up throughout the movie. My friend Kyle brought this up and I didn't, I, I, I was noticing it, but like the kid has his magic tricks and 
there's the white rabbits, which are so evocative of a magician and the rabbit pulling a rabbit out of a hat. Or there's also sort of an Alice in Wonderland thing with the rabbit and underground going to the rabbit hole. Um, but to me, that 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 magic kind of uh, spoke to sleight of hand and to like, which sort of echoes the changeling thing with her that she was literally it was sleight of hand. <laughs> um, but it also sort of speaks to me about like the media and how how things are really easily sort of uh, we the media is a con and Fox News and all this is a constant sleight of hand of look over here and and distraction. Um, and then the last thing I'll say. She was, you know, she was the voice. Um, she was the person that could speak and could mobilize and could 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 trigger all these things that people weren't vocalizing because they didn't have a way to vocalize it or they didn't know how. Um, and I think, like, in a way, that dark or tethered Lupita, who is actually not tethered, is sort of kind of a Trump character in a way for me. Um, hmm. And I thought it was really, I'm still kind of think in terms of that read, I'm interested in putting that on a black woman and what that does. Um, but like, it seemed like she was able to give voice to this movement that uh, was about to inflict massive harm on the world. Right. And, and only she could do that because she, she ha- had the power to. Um, so, and, and a big part of that is I think the nostalgia and this is something that I love that Jordan, that I think is just barely built into the film, but I think I think he's intentional about this. And I think the 1986 thing, Hands Across America, um, which you know was the commercial she was watching in 1986, so that that was her whole plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and that Santa Cruz setting, like right then, you know, the second you set a horror movie in 1986 in Santa Cruz, you're gonna think Lost Boys, right. And then I, I immediately start like I at first when the movie opened with that shot of the VHS tapes and all that, I was like, oh, wait, is this actually an 80s period piece? And I didn't know it going in. Yeah. Um, and I was like, God damn it, Jordan. P-. I was like, Stacy's going to have problems with this because it's the 80s nostalgia. Again. <laughs> but I thought it was interesting that she's using this nostalgia and this idea of the 1980s to mobilize her people. Um, right. And to me, that really spoke about to this idea of making America great again. Uh, and that that nostalgia that we're using to militarize people. At the same time, I think it's a really great critique of the horror world. Of the of the horror, um, just constantly relying on nostalgia. And I think it's a really funny way to to pair this horrors like retro horrors need for 80s nostalgia and looking at that alongside like, well, how is that really different from this make America great again, obsession with an America that never existed. We're obsessed with create recreating a 1980s that never existed. Um, so as a horror film, I thought that was a really nice, just added poke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so. hands across America didn't do shit. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, it's, it's, if it's, a, you know, a nostalgia a callback blah 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 it's very like i mean i don't want to say white fe- feminism but it's very like social media activism yeah you and, know of and like what, ret- retweet this picture and it'll do like hands across america didn't do shit it raised money and then all the money went towards like administrative fees and it's kind of like this is just a big waste of time and rather than actually doing something about hunger in this country we fucking held hands for yeah. 15 minutes 
and that was supposed to really change things. <laughs> like, we need more than that, you know? As an organizer for Hands Across America, I would like to state that we really created a beautiful moment, Stacey. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the symbolic bullshit, you know? Like, you can wear a red ribbon all you want, and, like, visibility and awareness are good things, but when that's all you're doing, then we're not moving forward yeah and like i mean it's i i think it's it's amazing how she was mobile she mobilized these people she literally created a revolution they killed all of their doppelganger selves but like then what they're literally just standing there and now they're just a wall and what what are you like who are you keeping in except yourself <laughs> like there's right. there's no right. there's when no there's nobody there's nobody left to fight yeah it's just stasis at that point so like yeah. okay you're done now you've achieved essentially everything but simultaneously nothing and what are they gonna do now that she's dead yeah they're incapable of it because they're she, incapable of doing she's anything. the voice yeah 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 mm -hmm. the last thing i did want i wanted to see her just drive through the hands across america wall <laughs> <laughs> like and just take I'm out surprised like four of them. Didn't, yeah i'm surprised yeah. that would have been fun yeah yeah, so I, I was I keep thinking more and more about this. Um, that sort of metaphor has really laced its way in my brain, uh, and I just I I really can't wait to see it again. Um, yeah, I just keep thinking of that, and I keep thinking of goddamn Elizabeth Moss and Tim Heidecker and fucking Lupita. <laughs> yeah, I never Lupita thought and the twins, Lupita and the twins for me, baby. Oh, I never. I just never thought in a movie starring Lupita, two Lup Lupita Nyongos, that I would be just as obsessed with Tim Heidecker. Like I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, Jordan Peele, what did you do to <laughs> that's me? A, that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, it's I definitely admit, gonna re reward repeat viewings for sure. Yeah, I am still really excited to see what he does next. Yeah. And and oh my god, please just give me Candyman now. <laughs> I know I'm really curious about the Candyman where that's gonna. I'm what that's gonna be. I am hopeful that because he's not produ he's just producing it. I'm hopeful that it's actually scary. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, I would. That's one thing I would like from him is for him to. I mean, and maybe that's like I said, it's just not what he's interested in doing. But I'd like to see something a little darker. Yeah, I've always like don't you be, know don't I've, be afraid to go there. You know, I and I could I totally not I'm not saying I'm aligning myself with Jordan Peele, but it's like someone who lives in both the world of comedy and horror. Um, right. I've always wanted to make a horror movie or like a scary like story, just something horror in the horror genre, and I don't know that I can because I have to make everything funny. So all I'm my like, shit is funny. Every, all I mean, you know, I made one thing that wasn't really funny. Yeah. Yeah, and it's really hard. Like, the comedy comes naturally, and so it was like, I don't know, I'm not saying I could do it. Yeah, you know? but I think I think especially with us, with the people like us that kind of use, like, comedy, well, I'm not speaking for you, but I use comedy to really temper the serious, like, painful issues. Um, oh, sure. And that's why I rely on humor is like, cause I believe we need it as a survival mechanism. And I think it makes, makes things more palatable. <laughs> yeah. And I, th I think that's what Jordan Peele does with his films, but yeah, I, I, I totally see where he might be coming from with that. And simultaneously, I would love to see something really scary. And simultaneously, I would love to make something really scary, but I just don't know if I can 
Because, like, I maybe, maybe it would just always be horror comedy for me. Right. I don't know. Part of it is, I, sometimes I feel like, is comedy a crutch? Speaking personally, like, not a bad crutch, but mm-hmm. I think it comes, like, earnestness in my artwork is very difficult. Like, I'm, well, no, that's not true. I'm always earnest, but I think earnest seriousness Mm-hmm. And that that kind of vulnerability is for sure more difficult for me. I've always I've used comedy my whole life as like yeah you know same a shield. I guess I mean I guess like that's a dramatic way of putting it, but it's like if you make somebody laugh, they're on your side. I don't think <laughs> yeah no it's true it's true and then and then I mean that's I also like universal queer experience like you have to be funny to get kids to not kill you (laughs) literally (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) um and yeah but i don't think they're mutually exclusive i don't think you can i don't think you have to be you can only be earnest or be funny right yeah but but i mean when i try to do something that's pure like okay i'm gonna make something that doesn't rely on a joke to do something like it's very difficult for me yeah oh yeah i i don't it's just even try I'm so funny that like i can't help but be funny <laughs> stacy you're such a riot shut up you are making me laugh oh my god i don't know i was i, I had some i had a lot of sympathy for the tethered i did too they were sweet it's one of it's just one of those things where i think i'm so just I don't know. And partially was like the biggest read that I got out of it. But I'm like, fuck yeah, the underprivileged are going to rise up. And it's like, I don't think murder is necessarily the answer always. But I do. (laughs) But I am like kind of always on their side. Yeah. I think that's a good place to be. Yeah. They did kill like everybody. I mean, they did like stab a bunch of people in the neck with scissors. Like that's their, a problem. In their MAGA jumpsuits. But... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the thing is like in the whole MAGA analogy. Yeah. Right. It's the thing that keeps coming up now is like, ooh, it was all about economic anxiety and we listen, blah, blah, blah. These people are powerless. And it's like on the one hand, they are as far as like economic disparity goes i'm talking about like trump voters absolutely yeah however they still wield an enormous amount of privilege and power because like oh god no and and they're they're afraid of losing that and that's they're afraid of losing that that's what they're actually (laughs) speaking to so that's why i don't think my read completely works um i think i think there's uh bits of that that parallel with that occurrence in our real lives Um, and that's what I'm interested in, but, but yeah, yeah, that's all that talk about economic disparity or, or feeling silenced. Yeah. Like it's a crack of shit. You feel silenced because for the first time, someone's telling you to lower your fucking voice. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Equality feels like oppression to the people who have always like had all the power. Yeah. And which, I mean, in a way is sort of understandable because that's all they've ever known. Right. Um, I just, I just, what infuriates me more? I'm sorry, this is all coming because my mom emailed me today because she's really depressed about the whole Mueller thing. Oh. So, like, it's been on my mind. Like, I mean, what hasn't fucking been on our mind for like the last three years? But anyway, like, I just, what frustrates me the most is that it's a lateral fight instead of like a hierarchical fight. Like, we should all be being, like, 
all of us on the lower rungs should be fucking punching up eat the fucking rich like we need where's red leading our revolution <laughs> like, right yeah. it shouldn't be poor white people fighting against all of the brown people and all of the gay people we should all be fucking I don't know. preach sister like bring them to my house and i'll cut their fucking heads off personally <laughs> like where's my guillotine like i'm just done I'm what just, are we doing just br- <laughs> Just bring them to my house. I will be here at my house waiting. <laughs> I will be here. I will build a guillotine. I'm ready. I am Madame Defarge all over this fucking shit. I have knit so many names into this fucking scarf. I'm ready. I'm and right yet there it's with like, you. hey, you know, white mill worker and like white coal miner, you know, who's really going to take your job is the Mexican. Yep. Like, no, why aren't you fighting the people at the top? It just drives me crazy. Because that's what they're really good at, is making everyone think it's in their own best interests. <sighs> and and we're really good at uh, self-hate and at extending that to each other instead of in- extending that to the people in power. Yeah. And we're really good at, like this movie says, like ignoring these things because like as long as we all have our TVs functional, like I don't want to be too like, kill your television. I don't even own a television. Like, fuck you. I own a television and I wish it was bigger because it'd be more fun to play video games on a big fucking TV. All right. (laughs) You know, like I watch some TV, but it's like while we have our creature comforts, we're fine. Oh, Facebook is literally killing us. I keep saying I shouldn't be on it, but I use it as my marketing tool so that I can survive in fucking capitalist apocalypse in the United States of America. Yeah. It's like Like this whole Disney just buying 20th Century Fox. I'm like, what the fuck? There's going to be like two movie companies. There's going to be one. ConAgra Foods is going to own all the foods. Google and Facebook are going to own the whole Internet. Amazon's going to own everything else. It's like, oh, my God. Yeah. Don't get excited because you fucking think that, you know, whatever. Yoda's a fucking Disney princess now. (laughs) (laughs) He is, damn it. You know what I mean? It's him and Raisin Lady. Everybody, everybody's just excited because it's like, oh, now the X-Men can be in all the Marvel movies again. Like, <laughs> I guess that's an advantage to one company owning all the fucking movie studios, I guess. Well, and that's like this movie has just barely hinted at in there. That's what happens when you militarize nostalgia, too. Like, mm-hmm. that's how you control people. It's like, remember when? Remember this? It's it's also the member berries in South Park. It's it's really, <laughs> it's really insidious. Um, and yet, uh, you know, I'm still going to go, I, I, as much as I'm like, Disney's a monolith. Marvel is toxic. Uh, I love Star Wars, but I wish they would stop making a thousand of them. Like, <laughs> even with that critique, even with this Facebook thing, I'm still going to be on my Facebook. I'm still going to go be like, I'm still going to stand in line and spend literally all of my savings at Star Wars land when that opens. <laughs> Mark my words. It will lead to my divorce. Mark my words. <laughs> Do, 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 do. <laughs> and I'll be there in the canteen. It's the new Star Wars theme. It's the new uh, Empire theme. I love that. I get to Star Wars land. I go to the cantina and they're just playing your voice doing that. 
I'm like, damn, Stacy got a good gig with these Imagineers. Yeah, you know what? They didn't pay me anything, but it's really good exposure. So it's... <laughs> hopefully it'll drive some traffic to our podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know what the answer is because it's it's. Like, I don't either. You feel powerless. It's like we're all living in Stepford and we're all Joanna and we all know what's happening. And yet we're not fighting for our lives like Joanna. It's worse to know what's happening. Yeah, we all know. I wish I was a ding-dong who just was like, whatever, I watch the... I don't know why I'm picking on the big... Yes, I do know why I'm picking on the Big Bang Theory, because it's terrible. Because it's a piece uh, of shit. But I mean, like, you know, I just wish I'd... It's, it's... Since the election, since before the election, it's like being torn between being... Trying to stay up to date and in the know and et cetera, et cetera, and just feeling like you're powerless anyway and you're overwhelmed by everything. Mm-hmm. It's a battle every fucking day. And yeah. I don't know. I still don't know what to do. Because what can you do? Except put on your fucking red jumpsuit and grab your scissors and start snip snipping. Starting with Mitch McConnell's fucking neck pouch. I'm going <laughs> to oh, snip that you... thing. I'm going to snip that fucker right off. How snip, satisfying. Snip. You just stop and look and just say, oh, that's so much better. <laughs> it's so much better. Just, and, I mean. And can we stop can we stop the speciesist act of, of of aligning him with a turtle? Because turtles are cute. And I Mitch know. McConnell is hideous. And don't you dare sully the beautiful faces and necks of my favorite creatures. <laughs> I know. It's so Those are my. Though. That's my biggest concern in today's upheaved world is the image yeah. of turtles. He's honestly, he's the middle image on a fucking Animorphs cover of a person <laughs> to a turtle. When it's like half blob. Yeah, it's like half blob. He's the middle image on the rainbow of Animorphs morphing. <laughs> right. I get I it. mean, is there any proof that he existed before Animorphs came out? <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, try and... If you to say any different, you're a yerk. <laughs> Remember Animorphs? Remember Animorphs? Don't you want Animorphs <laughs> to come back instead of class freedom and mobility? <laughs> You don't need a 401k. You just need Animorphs. <laughs> animorphs. Animorphs. <laughs> just the other day, I was like, I should buy those Animorphs books again and see. <laughs> <laughs> I really was thinking that. Wow. I mean, well, I mean, there's a safety in it. Everything's so terrible. It's like, well, let me remember times when it wasn't so terrible. There are some, that's the thing. And that's why people like, I mean, this is getting real political now. We're going to lose all three of our listeners. <laughs> but tough shit. People like AOC, that's why she's fighting so hard. Because she doesn't know any better. Yeah. I mean, and I mean that in like a good way. Like she wasn't around for the fucking Clinton era when it's like you could make some money. And yeah. things were all right. You know, she's young. Yeah. It's crazy to me that there are people who grew up have grown up they're adults now in a world where like things have just kind of always been shitty oh i just i just spoke to a college class and the the class was theater after 9 11 and when i got there i was like talking to my friend that's the professor and i was like doing the math and i'm like wait a second are any of your were any of your students alive for 9 11 and she's like no just like two of them wow and i spoke to an entire class of students that don't like i remember exactly where i was and i remember watching the first tower fall like and and the sense of like what it, the fuck is happening on that specific day of like wow we could all die what's happening 
And these kids, yeah, they that's just the whole world they've always known. Right. Yeah. They've never known, like, any kind of economic prosperity. <laughs> you know, they've yeah. never known, like, post-11 and pre-9-11, Americas are very, like, a lot of the underlying issues obviously are the same, but day-to-day life, it's so much different now. They didn't even know the the the... the the entitled white fragile world where we didn't even reference racism like or sexism like (laughs) or talk about equality like (laughs) right you want to know what a gay character was like on tv before (laughs) 9-11 gather around children i'll tell you about the fucking scraps i was eating talk about raw rabbit for dinner let me tell you about what a big deal it was on you know whatever the students all wrote, um, they, they had to come equipped with questions. I, they, they had to review some of my work and things that I've done. And they all had questions that they wrote on the board when I walked in. And one of the questions was, have things always been this terrible? Or do they just seem extra bad right now? Wow. Yeah. That's the thing. But the real issue, why don't millennials want to go to Applebee's? And why do they spend so much money on that fucking <laughs> avocado toast? Why aren't millennials having babies and buying homes? Why is AOC's aunt driving her in her minivan? <laughs> <laughs> like, holy shit. Yeah, it's a whole it's thing. A, it's a whole thing. It's all depressing. Yay! Do we have a listener question, Stacy? Oh, what do we pep, do? Pep up our listeners with a completely non-political, uh, just horror-related question. Totally just horror-related. This will get our minds off of everything. Okay, I'm uh, really ready for this. This question comes from Kidsta, who asks, what do y'all think about horror coming out of the Trump era? Oh, fuck. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> I feel like our whole episode ended up... <laughs> being the answer to this question we thought it would go thematically with this episode but it's kind of it is the episode (laughs) honestly i i think we're not quite there yet with the exception maybe of jordan peele yeah i think honestly i think us is and i mean part of it is timing you know it takes a little bit of time for movies to get made and i think us is maybe the first movie to tackle it I think as far as the movies themselves, I totally agree with that. Um, I mean, although Suspiria, you could say. Oh, I yeah, think, I lied. We... <laughs> There's actually, and also the oath. I didn't see the oath with Tiffany Haddish where you like have to swear allegiance to the president or whatever. No, I didn't see it. Like, as far as horror goes, I think there's a lot of non-horror coming out. That's uh, like that dinner with Beatrice. Oh. There's some things. Yeah. I have things to say about that. <laughs> well i was just gonna say but i think as far as horror goes we're not quite there yet but maybe a symptom of being in the trump era is that we are getting more equality on screen and behind the camera than Mm -hmm. ever before like i think it's all tied together i don't think that's necessarily an answer to trump like something like us is or but i think just the era we're just evolving more quickly now than we were before yeah I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think I totally agree. And it's these films are just beginning to come out now. That yeah, are, ask uh, me, ask us again in five years. Yeah, they're just beginning to come out. Something that is, and this is what I want to say, especially like tying in Beatrice at dinner, is like what's fascinating to me is how uh media predicts 
what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And as a film obsessed person, whatever, I mean, like Krakauer wrote about this and from Caligari to Hitler. And this has long been an obsession of mine is like the German expressionist horror films of the 1920s, like Nosferatu and Der Golem. And uh, well, that was before 20 um, and Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Like they yeah. all talk about and predict the Holocaust. And they 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 talk. But it, it came from a time of like economic fruition and artistic um just uh massive achievements and and pretty a pretty widespread social liberalism in Weimar Germany mm-hmm. and these movies coming out of that era still predicted and could tell what was happening in the zeitgeist and 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 created these metaphors for things that were going to happen before they happened and like Beatrice at dinner that movie was made before Trump was elected and it was hailed oh, yeah. as like the first, the first film, the first great film about the Trump presidency. And that movie was made before it. Like movies like, I mean, even in horror, I'm not a fan of them, but like The Purge, those were well before this started. Um, and it's interesting how films and especially film media and this kind of media um, can tell us where we're at and where we're going. Uh so so and like get out and and all these films like they all were before that actually happened but we they the filmmakers could sense what where we were leading ourselves um and so it's interesting that there's that like sort of preemptive uh still obama era technically horror that was leading up to it and now we're just beginning to get it with suspiria with um what's this movie we're talking about us (laughs) like it's (laughs) And I, I still haven't seen the oath, but like, and I think uh, Assassination Nation probably does this too. I still need to see that also. But um, it's all just beginning, so I am fascinated to see. The thing I'm nervous about now is that anytime we have this period of great economic fruition and liberalism, like in the Weimar Republic, and an amazing artistic expression. The media only is good for so long before it turns to total shit and stops being reflective, before it becomes propaganda. I'm interested to see how how long this symptom lasts in, in filmmaking and how long this lasts in our politics. Like, is something going to come out of this report? Is anything going to change? Are we in for another four years I think if we're not in for another four years, we're going to have some really amazing movies just like these. Uh, if four more years happen, who even knows if we'll still have movies? <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> uh, well. Wow. It was a lot. We we went on a real journey there. We really did. To the, to the dark heart of, of American everything. It's such a dark heart right now. It really is. I'm like, oh, someone, please fix it. <laughs> I just don't know. I, you know, that's, I mean, who does? Who I does? don't know. I don't know. No one knows. But I'm just like, where are we going to be in five years? You know, but this is a, this is something about, this is something to hope for is that, that films like this continue to get made and continue to provoke conversation and that people, even if it's just subliminal, that it plants right. a seed that people begin to think. Maybe. 
that's it's a, it's a hope and a lot it's a problem because a lot of people just look at movies as entertainment and not as art or not as something that is loaded with political messages a lot of people don't even read into the message and they just want to see the right. blood they just want to see elizabeth moss put on lip gloss lord knows i'm right there next to you <laughs> yeah well there are people who are like well is this just gonna be a horror movie or is there gonna be racial shit in it yeah which fuck off <laughs> yeah like fuck off big time second of all like i get the desire to like leave your troubles behind and just be entertained but like you can still think a little bit and also horror is one of the great genres for political bullshit mm-hmm. you know and we're at a time where honestly if you're going to be responsible and you're going to tell a story worth listening to like we need a little bit less Halloween and a little bit less Mandy and a little bit more Suspiria and us. Like, a little mm-hmm. bit more thoughtful material that points its finger back at us. Right. And maybe it won't make you feel good sometimes. And that's okay. You know? Yeah. You don't go watch the Big Bang Theory, motherfucker. Yeah. we. we... And then come on over. Because <laughs> I got a little snip snip waiting for you, too. <laughs> <laughs> i've had it you know like once upon a time here's I was andy like, you know, here comes andy <laughs> once upon a time you could buy a pound of coffee <laughs> you know once upon a time it would be like george w bush and i'd be like god he's the worst fucking president of all i can't i can't can't wait until he's out of office And now I'm literally like, bring them over so I can cut their fucking heads off. Like this, (laughs) these years have just turned me into a bloodthirsty monster who doesn't do anything bad. I'm still like very polite to everyone. And yet, (laughs) am I ready for the guillotine time? Absolutely. Don't mistake the good manners, the smile and the nice words. (laughs) Homegirl's got a guillotine in her backyard. I really wish I did. Like, I never used to feel like that. I'd just be like, well, they just feel differently than we do, and we'll vote them out of office. And now I'm like, that's not good enough anymore. Mm-hmm. Chop, chop. Chop, mm-hmm. chop. Chop, chop is right. Snip, snip. Chop, chop. What was that song? Do, 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 do. Right. <laughs> burp, burp. <laughs> what was your song? What? <laughs> your Star Wars snip snip chop chop (laughs) that's the one that's the political radio edit (laughs) do you mean the california raisins yes there we go yes featuring featuring lupita nyong'o yeah featuring lupita nyong'o oh my god Now that's the political art we need. Why, J.J. Abrams? (laughs) Why? Uh, Well, if you have a question for us, uh, I can't imagine you would have any questions for us after this episode. Because you know where we stand. You know, yeah, really, I think I've made my feelings clear. We like Uh, lesbian thrillers and we're ready for blood. (laughs) I'm ready for the revolution. I won't honestly be much good in it. I'm, I know this. Oh, I would just freak out and hide. I would just freak out. Yeah. You know, I'm not good in a panic situation. I'm not really good in an emergency. 
I just I'm not equipped for that. Yeah, I'm all also like not violent, even though I'm I, not violent. I like imagining myself being cool and being being yeah. but like I'm not. I'm not at all. Like there was one time where I was at my friend's house, and we played. This was when I was a youth. We played video games like all night. It was like five, six o'clock in the morning. And I finally went to go home, and I opened their door. And as I was opening the inner door, someone was opening the outer like screen door <gasps> at the same time. And so I shut the door, and I ran around the corner, and I sat down on the floor, and I started crying. <laughs> Oh, Stacy! And then we we heard it's just the newspaper. (laughs) (laughs) So that's that's how good I am. I mean, at least I had the wherewithal to shut the door. But sitting immediately, sitting down and starting to cry is not the like reaction you want. So. Oh my god. Yeah. So, what I'm saying is, when the apocalypse comes, don't count on me. <laughs> but you know, there is, there's still other, you know, I think keep making art, keep making people talk about art, keep talking about art, and keep voting. Well, that's true. Those are some okay. things we can actually do. That's in my wheelhouse. Instead of having to kill people, let's hope we don't get there. Let's just keep focusing on art, talking about it, voting. Murder and fixing a car, no. (laughs) Making a podcast, I can do that. Well, can I though? Yes, you can. Technically, yes. (laughs) And that's good enough for me. Technically is the best kind of yes. And to keep making this podcast, listeners, we need more questions. I feel like it's time. We need another batch of questions. Yes, it's time for a -a question-a-thon. Send in your questions. It's just us asking for questions. Uh, You can email them to us. (laughs) We have a... (laughs) Just our secretary, like Iris in the back, answering the phones. (laughs) (laughs) Stately Gaylord's Manor, how can I help you? Yeah, she's right. She's like transcribing it. Transcribing why, questions. Why do, do you like food? <laughs> yeah. We sure do. Thank you, Iris. Here's Thank your you, 401k. Iris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because we pay Iris uh, good money. Anyway, we yeah. Do. So we have an e- we have email. Gaylords at gaylordsofdarkness.com. We have email. <laughs> Did I say that? I think you just said we have email. We. <laughs> I'm using my language. Oh, the tethered. Oh, no. Tethered coming out. Oh. <laughs> tethered Stacy. <laughs> email. <laughs> you. Uh-huh. You sound like Louis Armstrong. <laughs> And I say to myself, <laughs> please rate us on iTunes. <laughs> Ow. Wow, for a haunted tome made out of skin, it's so loosely structured, yet informative. I know, right? Is it over? It's glowing and spinning on its own, so I'm gonna guess yes. Ah, oh, oh my god! god. Oh, oh my god. god! Tune in next time for more Gaylord!